way we've been doing work and leadership is deeply broken. Whether you're healing from burnout or just looking for a better way to run your company, you're in the right place. What does the future of work even look like? That is a question we get to answer together. After working with thousands of executives and entrepreneurs around the world, I know that the deepest leadership issues are deeply human. We've got to heal ourselves if we want to heal the world. Welcome to the New Self Podcast, where each week I'll help you explore topics that will level up your leadership and your life. I'm your host, Nicole Belisle. I'm a leadership expert and Reiki master, and I believe the secret to more conscious work and leadership is self-healing. Grab a seat and get cozy because we're about to go on a journey. Hello, beautiful souls, conscious leaders. Nicole Belisle here, tuning in from my new office. I felt called recently to create some sacred creative space for myself to just beautify my environment and get myself all set up to be able to broadcast the creative expression that's wanting to come through lately. Everything from words to my version of art, which for a really long time has been business and doing business in a different way. As a manifester, which is my human design, and as someone who has gene keys 36 and 34, at some point maybe we'll get into what the gene keys are in a later episode, but they've really changed my life um, and helped me to see the unique gifts that I have. And within those descriptions, one of, one of my purposes that, that anchors me in, in this life is bringing together seemingly opposite ideas and uniquely synthesizing them. So I identify as a, th- a synthesizer, as a visionary, as a dreamer, as someone who is trying to ground a new reality, trying to usher those who are ready into a different way of being. From a very young age, I think I've, I've seen through the veil, whether that was my, you know, vehement opposition as, as a middle schooler to the, the colonial education system. I didn't have the language then like I do now. So it often showed up as, as anger and just saying, you know, this is, this is so stupid. I don't see the point. Why, like, why do we have to go to school like this? This feels like a prison. I'm so ready to be out. I'm so ready to be out. I want to, I want to create my own life. I think that entrepreneurial creative gene was sewed in me from the beginning. And I'll tell stories sometimes of my younger brother and I playing business growing up. And, you know, of course, we were raised in and conditioned into a capitalist culture. So, you know, playing business is a very capitalist game to play. You know, the money game is a very capitalist extraction based game to be playing. However, we brought our imaginations to this and lived in the the creative flow and and in the fun of playing business as kids. So we loved video games. We loved movies. 
we ran this whole video game movie store off of our front porch and we would rent VHSs to our relatives for 50 cents a pop. And that was the first business that I can remember starting uh, from, you know, really, really young. As I, you know, entered the later years of middle school, my best friend growing up at the time and I started a basically uh, almost like a, a babysitting service, but we would host and design these these art workshops and we would lead all the neighborhood kids through these craft, you know, these craft projects that we had come up with ahead of time. And the parents would pay us because we were watching their kids. They were having fun. We were basically playing as if we were in a classroom and running a workshop and inviting people into their creativity. So again, I think this, you know, this business as art has been with me. It's been a calling for a really long time. And while creativity for me does show up in other ways, you know, I consider myself someone who does create really sacred space. I, I feel the energy of a space, of objects, of how the energy flows through a, through a room. So I've, you know, over the years, I've really enjoyed things like feng shuiing and creating healing space, which showed up you know, in, in my Reiki practice that I was running for many years in Boulder, Colorado, which we'll get to that part of the story. But, you know, why, why am I telling you all this? Let's, let's slow down for a second. I've wanted to start a podcast for a long time. And when I asked myself why it started as, well, it's because I'm ready to speak. It's because I'm ready to, to share my voice. I finally have a lot to say. I finally have a lot of value that I have been building and nurturing and cultivating over the years, and I'm ready to share that. I'm ready to channel that which I'm seeing, that that which I have been practicing, because I've been operating in a different paradigm of business for a long time. I have seen through the construct of capitalism, of you know, the, the cutthroat competitive version of entrepreneurship, you know, while I've tried all of these things on, they never felt right to me. Something always felt off. And when I found myself in nine to five positions over the years, even then, like there was really something off. I'm like, why, why am I siphoning such a small aspect of my soul into a predefined role where I'm asked to produce very, you know, very specific things. It's, you know, it neatly fits into a box in theory, but I think not, not being in our full expression of our gifts and siphoning off that life force energy, it it has a draining effect. It, It has a, a degradation effect on our health, on our joy. When we have life force freely flowing through us, I think that's when we're our most happy. So we find ourselves in a moment in time when we're really questioning the way we've been doing work. And that is why I'm here. That question, that is why this podcast is kicking off and wanting to be birthed at this time. 
So my intention is to stand in another potentiality, to, you know, do, do the hard work within myself to, to deprogram all of the conditioning that I've had over the years around what, what success looks like, what it is, what it means to be a woman in, you know, in this capitalist patriarch society. How do we break through? How do we, how do we rewrite our logic? How do we step into a set of values that feels more true, that feels more nature-based? Because in my heart of hearts, I really do believe that we are nature. And many of us are waking up to that. And often that requires, you know, moving through the grief of, of realizing how disconnected, how separate we've been for centuries 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 as we've entered this extractive exploitative relationship to nature herself and I mean look at look at all of the populations and all of the people that we also treat that way it's you know I I often say that we we treat our women like we treat nature that same pattern of extraction is there and I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just done. To be honest, I'm, I'm not willing to play a game that doesn't value my voice, that doesn't pay me equitably for my unique gifts. I'm not willing to sacrifice my health for the currency of money when there are so many other currencies out there that nurture me. Relational currencies, creative currencies, spiritual currencies, nature-based currencies. I mean, these, when I think about wealth, I'm no longer thinking about, you know, just, just money in this whole narrative we've been sold and marketed and conditioned into of working our whole lives to put away a nest egg for a rainy day and save for retirement because that's when you can finally relax, right? I don't buy in. I haven't for a long time. And I've been hiding. I've been hiding in my own cocoon, my own safety of entrepreneurship and and building business in a more conscious way because that has allowed me to feel, you know, feel like I'm at the edges, like I'm, I'm cultivating something at the edges of consciousness. I'm, I'm, you know, removing myself temporarily to, to be that pioneer, to go, to go discover and, and bring back what I'm seeing, what I'm noticing, what I've been learning and embodying. And, and that time, like I've finally, I've, I'm cooked, like I'm fully cooked. <laughs> the, you know, the oven, the oven, uh, timer is going off and, it's like, it's just time to, it's time to stand in, you know, in some of that truth and share those stories. Um, so that's, that's why I'm here. That's why, that's why I'm showing up. And I believe that through my exploration of things like cyclical ways of living, cyclical ways of running business, where rest and integration and intuition are valued as much as the productivity, as much as 
the external, you know, the external pieces of business that we see, that's only half of the equation. That's the masculine half, the external, the doing, the producing. And that's wonderful. We need that. We need that. That's the yield. That's the fruit of our labor. And it's wonderful. We all get to revel in and savor the delicious fruit of our labor. But the feminine half of this cyclical equation has been lost. And this is a moment to reclaim that. We are so burnt out, so burnt out from only playing in half of the dynamic energy that's available to us. Not sustainable, (laughs) not sustainable. I have a friend who is in the job search right now. And she said, you know, I like, I'm not taking anything that's not sustainable moving forward. And until I find that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this. I'm gonna enjoy living. I'm not gonna live to work. And I think many of us are feeling that way. I, you know, as, as someone who was very traditionally successful, like I, even though I could see through the veil, I got good at playing that game. I was, I was awake and I was conscious and I tried to be mindful and kind as I played that game, but I was awake. I was awake while I was playing and it, you know, it, it sucked the life out of me over time. You know, I, I've worked it with some of the most incredible humans on the planet. I've, you know, I've been in executive leadership at Harvard University for 11 years. I have run VIP high profile events for politicians and celebrities. I've, I've gotten to, you know, mingle in rooms with billionaire innovators. I've gotten to help run some of the most innovative startup accelerator programs on the planet. I took a deep dive into impact entrepreneurship at one point and had the privilege of of serving as managing director for Impact Hub Boulder for a while there. So my choices, you know, my choices have been choices that allowed me to excel in the traditional game of success. And yet I always had this, you know, I always had my other foot in the worlds of purpose, mission, you know, trying to do good, trying to change the way that we, the way that we operate, the way that we love, the way that we create. And so I've found myself in all of these leadership positions, you know, surrounded by other souls who are trying to do that. And Yet when we, when we still play by the rules of the old paradigm of work, of success, we do burn out, you know, and we, even, even those of us who have been mission driven all these years, you know, unwilling to pour our gifts and our precious life force energy into companies that are harming, right? Like that was a, that was a standard for me. I was not willing, not willing that is not worth a paycheck to me. You know, not not when I think of future generations and the the earth, the state of culture 
the destruction that they'll be inheriting. So I've lived by, you know, many interesting standards over the years as I've walked these two worlds. Um, at one point I, I took on this, this standard of, you know what, I, from now on, I'm only going to work with people I love. The energy of love creates a different type of innovation. It creates a container where people can be authentic. People can speak their needs. They can be themselves. They can be vulnerable. We can empathize with one another. These leadership qualities have attracted me for a really long time. And I decided, you know, I decided early in my career that, you know, I don't want to work for, for or with anyone who is bringing, bringing toxicity or, or trauma into the workplace and, and traumatizing others further. There's a lot of that in work culture. There are so many cultures within work where we are normalizing abusive relationship patterns. You know, sometimes I've, I've asked my clients in the past, if, if you were dating that, you know, that client, or if you were dating your boss, like, would you, would you stay in that relationship? No, <laughs> no is, is often the answer. <laughs> and yet there's something about receiving a paycheck that controls us, right? Like we need, we need money to keep playing this game that we've all bought into. And so we stay. We stay in the unhealthy relationship. We stay in the, the unequitable exchange. There's so much unseen and unspoken in the agreements that we, that we step into when it comes to work. You know, you sign a work contract and nowhere in there is, is it saying or disclaiming <laughs> You may develop disease because of the level of stress you have. You may ruin or lose relationships with loved ones because of the demand on your time and on your energy. If, you know, if, if work had a waiver, <laughs> just imagine, imagine what would be in there. Not okay, not okay. So again, that's why, that's why I'm here now. I feel so deeply that people are, people are waking up and, and ready to step into a new way of working. You know, it, I can't tell you how many, how many young people are celebrating themselves and choosing self-care and self-love by taking sabbaticals and these mini retirements and, you know, taking a couple months off or whatever. I mean, even a year off, right. To go, to go live in a van. I've done that too. And it was life-changing to go live in Costa Rica for two months with other conscious creators, conscious business owners. I have some beautiful friends who have done that and, and I hope to do that as well. There's been a sacred pause that we've all gotten with COVID. A moment to be able to take a breath, to look around, to ask questions. This happens when our constructs of reality break. 
And they have been. <laughs> they have been. Just think about every, you know, every bit, every facet of reality that's been breaking lately. Finance and economy, work, marriage, family, just about every construct is changing. And I really believe, and I, you know, I hear this among others who are sharing their voice at this time, that many of us feel like we were born into these bodies at this time to witness this great change, to be a part of this paradigm shift that is so unique and unlike any other, any other time in human history. You know, we've had, we've had big shifts where the dominant thinking, the dominant set of values vastly changed. Sometimes that happens with technology. Sometimes that happens with religious shifts and just those, you know, those deep changes in fundamental thinking and how we see the world. We're in one of those right now. <laughs> it happens to be coinciding with climate change and, and the biggest mass extinction that we've seen in thousands and thousands of years. You know, not only species are dying, but so are, so are outdated beliefs. There's a lot of death right now, and our society is terrified of death. We hide from it. We're devastated by it. And yet, similar to the rest phase of, of a cycle, the new moon phase, the menstrual phase of a cycle, death is also a really important part of life. Being able to let go and move that pain through us to accept grief as something beautiful even that's part of the human experience. To acknowledge when we're grieving rather than bypass it, rather than try to take those, those four days of bereavement <laughs> that we're given, if that, right? But we're in a really big, really big death phase of the old paradigm. Even though I've been rooting for, for big change for most of my life, doesn't mean that I haven't grieved. My whole, my whole identity has crumbled many times over. The things that once gave me a sense of security no longer do. I see that security has been such an illusion and a mechanism for controlling. But the only, you know, the only thing that's constant is change. So our relationship to change itself needs to change. <laughs> this life is a wild ride. It really is. And I'm learning to appreciate all facets of it. I'm learning to not be afraid of my own pain, to not be afraid when judgment arises or when it, even when it gets projected on me. It's not worth it anymore. 
to be silent, to, to not stand up, to not be different, to not stand for something else. Because I do, I really do. <laughs> and I have for a long time, but I've been hiding. This is me choosing not to hide anymore. And that feels really good. That feels really good. And I'm grateful that you're here receiving, receiving this message. Know that we're in it together. And if, if your constructs of reality, if your sense of identity is shifting as well, you're not alone, not by any means. As I look ahead, actually, I don't even want to look ahead. I, you know, lately I've been, I've been really sitting in the present moment. I've been allowing emergence to flow through me. I literally wake up every day and let my higher self choose how life wants to move through me. I find that being anchored in a routine helps ground me in the day. I might set some intentions. I might do meditation or start with a gratitude practice, a gratitude journaling. And that just helps me wake up. It helps me arrive to the day. But then I follow the aliveness. And I watch synchronicity bring to me the exact things that my heart's asking for. Reality lately has been reaffirming so many truths that I've been holding near and dear to my heart. You know, that, that, that people are ready, that, that I get to be a part of nurturing others and myself through, through these epic changes. The message lately has been to keep going, <laughs> keep flowing, really. I think when we tap into our creative powers and we step into our, our sacred role as creators, as manifestors, there's an easefulness that comes online. I'm learning that life doesn't have to be hard. I'm learning that growing a business doesn't have to be hard. That narrative of competition and working a hundred hours a week as an entrepreneur to be successful. Not true guys, not, you know, not in, not in this reality anyway, over here. <laughs> I'm finding more wealth and success and health in doing business in this way, waking up emergently, reaching out to who I'm called to reach out to in a moment, right? Like there, there are times when I don't know, I don't know why, but someone's popping into my head and I reach out and it's, it's the exact thing. It's the exact right thing for that moment. Or I feel called to do a particular post and it hits just right with just one person who needed to hear that today. That is enough for me. And lately I've been I've been kind of letting go of the 
social media as a funnel mindset. I, you know, I, I don't, I no longer abide by or buy into the traditional marketing and sales mindsets that, that also contain this relational pattern of extraction, seeing people as things, seeing, seeing a, a thing to be gained. But that's like where we are capable of so much more, so much more when we're in reciprocal and generous and loving relationship with one another. So rather than, you know, do all the right things and use social media as a means for marketing, I'm just using it to have fun lately and I'm playing. I find the more I play, the more magnetic I become and the happier I become. If I'm standing in that energy, I mean, man, that's, that's when people want to work with me. That's when people want to collaborate and, and come play together because that's all we're doing. We're playing. I'm playing business now just as much as I was playing business when I was eight years old playing business with my brother. I'm still playing. I'm still, you know, I'm still that little kid who, who wants to have fun and create, who needs to, to feel good enough and to, to feel like I'm doing a good job, right? To feel like I'm doing good work. And so I, I nurture that within myself now. I, I do a lot of inner parenting and reparenting. I've been applying all kinds of gentle parenting practices to my parts, my, my own inner children. Since I don't yet have physical children of my own, I get to be my own child through my inner child. And it's been beautiful to, you know, to be playing in this way. I've been, I've worked with, I've worked with clients who, when they, when they too begin to stand in their truth and notice the energy, everything is energy, my gosh, but noticing the energy of what, ener what truly energizes them, what is life giving versus what is draining and moving towards the light of that which is like life-giving and letting go with grace anything that's draining, whether it's a process or a product or a person. We get so attached. Obligation holds us. But is obligation real? No. It's a social construct often. A lot of the times it's, it's unspoken and we, f we feel it because we generate it within ourselves. And maybe the, maybe the receiver of whatever it is we feel obligated to do or be or say isn't even expecting us to be that way. I think oftentimes obligation is that internalized patriarchy, that internalized wound of not being enough of not being good enough, of feeling like we have something to prove. But we can let that go. We can love ourselves into letting that go. And these business owners that I've been working with who are doing this, 
the first thing that comes up is boundary setting. Capitalism doesn't know any boundaries. Super extractive to the point where some work agreements feel non-consensual. I mean, just think about, think about your, your worst work culture for a moment. Maybe it felt abusive. I've been, I've been in those. I've definitely been in those. Not okay. So the first thing that shows up is often boundary setting of all things. And, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, I, I tend to be attracting mostly female founders or business owners who are really embodying that feminine power, who have young families. They want to live a lifestyle that is healthy where they have healthy and conscious relationships with the people in their lives, where they have time, freedom, and flexibility to live a seasonal lifestyle and take a month off if they want to, you know, bring, bring their kids to a, a different culture for an immersive experience. How about that? So that they don't inherit this same bullshit conditioning. There are amazing, amazing women that I've been working with and speaking with who they don't just want to do it, like do it all, be, you know, be the super mom in the sense of, you know, doing that because it makes them feel worthy or because that's what's expected of them. It's, it's not that that I'm seeing. It's a standing, it's a standing in one's own reverence and knowing that well-being is a human right. Knowing that we get to be in beautiful, conscious relationships and not have those sacrificed or traumatized at the expense of of work and a paycheck, you know, that we don't have to be slaves to a system that, that doesn't love us, that doesn't treat us as the sovereign beings that we are. A lot of us are saying no to that. So when these, when, you know, when these founders are, are realizing their heart's desire and that a different lifestyle, a different way of doing business is, is possible that success doesn't have to come at the expense of health. They start to set those boundaries. Sometimes it's sometimes it's a sense, like a an internal sense of setting a boundary with the patriarch, uh, you know, with the hierarchical system, the colonial mindset that ex- is so internalized. It exists within us. So I think it it starts with saying no and setting that boundary within. Noticing when those voices show up that say, you got to get back to work. Oh, I got I to gotta do this. I got to do this. It's not enough. Control. That's what that is. Control, control, control. Grow at an insatiable rate that is unsustainable. For what? Miss the joy of life? Blink and wake up and be 65 
and still not have enough money for retirement and not have any health or vitality left? No, thank you. Who designed that? So yeah, I think it, I think it starts with those, those inner boundaries and and beginning to, to work with that internalized patriarchy so that we can, we can deprogram our colonial thinking. And I think the easiest clue is, you know, again, because everything's energy, it's, it's noticing when, when do I feel contracted and controlled in my body? And when do I feel open and expanded and in a state of flow, in a state of love? Am I choosing from love or am I choosing from fear? The patriarchy loves fear. Capitalism loves fear and scarcity. It's a mechanism for control. Hierarchies take away our power. Like these are just some of the things that we're, we're seeing through now and deciding I'm not playing that game. So if we can, if we can nurture those boundaries within and, and heal that, that internalized pa- patriarchy, we can then begin to ripple that out into our relationships. And the, the clients I've been working with are, you know, one way that that's showing up is setting boundaries with their clients, with their customers, whether that's setting boundaries around working hours, vacations, pricing. There are so many women who are not charging what they're worth. I mean, this is huge. I, I've worked with one client who was able to double her revenue by increasing prices to receive what she's really worth. And setting boundaries with clients who were taking, you know, 80% of the energy. I think, I think we've all experienced this with a client or with a coworker, even it, you know, sometimes there's, there's that one project, there's that one client who is taking up so much and it drains and everything you give is never enough. There's always friction and lack of flow lack of authenticity you feel you feel off after you interact with that project or with that client and maybe you even feel dread before you go into a meeting that's an indicator Not, you know noticing that energy so when that shows up how can we honor that because our body is speaking to us our body is telling us no no i don't consent to this i don't consent to this exchange Something about it feels off or inequitable. I feel that I'm being extracted or exploited or taken advantage of. Similar to how our unspoken agreements with with control culture, with you know, with capitalism. Sometimes our unspoken agreements with clients are that you know we we work for them. We should be available at all times because they're paying us money. What? (laughs) Like, I don't think receiving gratitude and appreciation in the form of money or any other currency entitles you to own me. 
You do not own me. You do not own my body or my health. There's like, there's a fierceness that shows up when we, when we stand in the power of, of that, that divine feminine that has been suppressed for so long and, and vastly underpaid. I said that we treat, we treat our women like we treat nature. It, we also, we also don't pay for natural resources at the level that, that they actually cost or are worth. We expect building materials to be cheap as we cut up and extract Mother Earth and ship her all over the world, polluting her lungs, polluting her waters. Take, 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 take. Mine, mine, mine. Entitlement, entitlement, entitlement. Overconsumption. We do this to people too. We do, we do this to, to our own, you know, our own mother figures in, in Western society where we've been conditioned to think that, you know, mothers are, are a person to be taken for granted. And, you know, they do, they do the bulk of the, the housework maybe. And, you know, in even older paradigms and they don't get paid for that. They don't get paid for raising the next generation, which is some of the hardest work that there is. And they certainly don't get paid for suppressing themselves to exist within relationships that don't honor them. I think that happens in, that happens in a lot of marriages. These patterns don't just exist in business. These are, these are human issues. I might talk a lot about entrepreneurship and, and business owners and leadership because, because that's what I love. But these are human issues. We have to heal as people if we want to heal our business paradigm. They're not separate. I really believe that leadership is a practice as sacred as meditation or yoga or any of the healing arts. Leadership isn't rising to the ranks and learning to be overpowering and commanding and coercing people into doing things that are not in their highest good. That's not what leadership is. Leadership is loving yourself so much being in integrity so much that you are a beacon of light and hope and embodiment. A straight up model and invitation for others to do the same. This is sacred work, y'all. Really, really sacred. So that's just a preview of what I hope to bring to to this podcast. I consider this to be episode zero. This is sort of just the, the wet your palate, the share the intention behind it. There's so much more I could share about my story and I hope to throughout this journey with you. 
But today, I really just wanted to speak from my heart and share why I'm here, share why I'm showing up, share why I'm doing the deep, good work to clear myself out, to heal my own trauma so that I can show up as a clear vessel, so that I can, I can channel words and creativity and offerings that invite us to do this deep work together. I've gotten really good at doing it alone, but I don't, I don't want to always do it alone. I want to play. I want to play. I want to co-create. I want to live in a, a loving, abundant, creative paradigm of our own making where we set the rules, where we define what success is for us. I think that'll look different from every person. That uniqueness is part of our gift. It's part of the blessing of, of diversity and what it means to be a soul in a body, especially at this time on the planet. We need, we need all of us to be shining that light. So this is me shining a bit of mine. In so much gratitude if you've made it this far into this share. May this be the first of many, and may you not feel alone on your journey if, if any of this has resonated. I'm with you, and I'll see you next time. The inner work is often the hardest work, but it is the work required for lasting change and a healthier future for us all. If you found the show valuable, please leave a review and subscribe. You can also take a deeper dive with me at NicoleBelisle.com. Thanks again for being here and showing up for your new self. Your future self will certainly thank you.